We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Described as five foot five with a high pitched voice, the Philadelphia Daily News once referred to him as quote the undersized Atlantic City man with the oversized temper. After a lengthy time of peace and prosperity within the Philadelphia crime family of La Cosa Nostra, Nicky Scarfe became uh, the head of the family in 1981. But his reign, marred by brutality and betrayal, signalled the end of an age. And ultimately, it was Scarfe's vengeance and mismanagement that eventually compelled several of his associates to flip, becoming informants and testifying against him, bringing an end to the vicious, violent reign of Little Nicky Scarfe. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Dom. And I'm Amy. And welcome to this week's episode of Horror House. As always, thank you for being here. We love you. We appreciate you. We love the support that you give us. And also, please take this reminder uh, to, to let us remind you that you are a fucking lovely human being. You're an absolute legend. Uh, you are beautiful. You are awesome. You are cool as fuck. And thank you for being here. And thank you for being with us today. Amy, how are you doing today, my lovely? I am absolutely spiffing. That's a lie. I'm I'm a bit tired. <laughs> um, I I don't know. I always it's, I do that incredibly British thing that I think everyone does when when someone says, "How are you?" Your immediate response is, "Oh, I'm good, thanks. How are you?" Yeah. And it's just yeah. it's just programmed in. Um, <laughs> not that I'm not good. I am. I'm having you know a lovely day, but I'm not. I didn't sleep very well, so I'm a bit tired. I'm probably a little bit over caffeinated, as you may or may not be able to tell. Um, and I've, I've got, oh my God, I've got the biggest spot on my back that really hurts, um, which is definitely too much information. That might be the caffeine. Um, Please tell us more about this. I probably should have stuck with the short answer, um, which is, yeah, I'm good. Thanks. How are you? Please tell us more about your massive spot on your back. I feel like the people need to know. (laughs) It's, it's, It's a big boy. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, I'm thinking about naming it. You need to. Um, I don't know if, like, we have like a a doctor pimple popper in the UK, but you need to go and see a, a pimple yeah. popper. You need to get squeeze. Honestly, I'm talking about this thing like it's vesuvius. It really isn't. It's quite small, <laughs> but it hurts. So I just want rid of it. But yeah, that's, that's how I'm doing today. The the eruption is going to be something. Spectacular. I really regret bringing it up, if I'm being honest. Um, I, I probably shouldn't have shouldn't have mentioned it, but here we are. Um, oh, we're talking dear. about it now. Um, we we can, are. We Let's can change, change the subject. subject if you want. <laughs> yeah. Should I, I do our little bit of housekeeping from the last episode? Should I get that up? Yeah. Crack on. Crack on. Yeah. I wanted to say a huge, huge, huge thank you um, for all of the support, all of the comments, all of the messages on the Lucy Let the episode. Um, 
I think taking it on, we both knew it was going to be a controversial one. It was going to be one that people weren't afraid to voice their opinions on. Mm. Um, and I think we both, you know, appreciated that going in. Um, it's so, so nice to see so many comments on the episode, so much debate, um, yes. so much conversation. <laughs> and we really encourage it, not just on that one. Obviously, it's a bit easier with that one because it's ongoing. But with all of our episodes, like, we want to hear what you think about these cases. Like, we talk to each other because we're interested to hear what each other think. But we're also interested to hear what you think. So please do go comment. Keep talking about it. It's definitely something not only means that you're enjoying what we do, but also means that we get to learn a bit more about what we're talking about as well. Like, I've yeah. been and done, you know, more research on the Lucy Letby case. I've been looked at more of it. Um, and hopefully other people will do the same. So please continue to comment. Um, we have had a little bit of feedback in terms of what we do on the YouTube channel. So bear in mind this recording that you're seeing right now, if you are watching on YouTube, is also the recording that goes out on our podcast. So it's on Spotify, it's on Apple Podcasts, it's anywhere that you listen to your podcast. And at the start of all of our episodes, we always do a little bit of a catch up. We have a little bit of a chat. Dom usually tells me about how amazing Disney is and how I suck because I didn't go and um, all of that sort of thing. And that can sometimes take a, a little bit of the episode. Um, if that's not what you're there for and you've managed to find us, you know, on the Internet, on YouTube, because you're interested in the subject matter of what we're talking about, then all of our episodes have got chapters on them. So you can always just skip to the bit that interests you. We won't be offended. We don't mind if you don't care about our lives. It's it's not a problem. Um, but we happen to think that one of the things that makes us a bit individual and a little bit enjoyable, I guess, to listen to is the fact that we are really good friends and we do like to have a little bit of a catch up at the start of every episode. So if you aren't into that and you want to skip it, then by all means, feel free. The chapters should help you do. Yes. Um, I won't repeat what Amy said because um, she said it beautifully. Um, but you know, just to, to sort of echo a little bit, you know, uh, massive thank you for, for the support on the Let Be episode. Um, it's over, it's gone over 500 views, um, and pe more people, are, are coming across it, um, which is good. And, you know, the, the view duration is, is higher than, you know, our, higher than normal. So that's also good as well. Um, and we've got a night, we got a nice bump of subscribers from it. So thank you. Thank you very much. Um, you know, it's good that, like Amy said, it's good that it's created a bit of dialogue. Um, it's a spicy episode. So everyone's got, you know, their own sort of viewpoints and like, like, you know, like Amy said, we want you to share them. Um, absolutely. So this episode is less controversial um because this is not an ongoing case this is very much an open and shut case um <laughs> but it's it's a it's a mob episode um and as amy knows i just inject mafia content into my veins at this point i can't get enough of it um i find it absolutely fascinating I'm not glorifying the mob it's a horrendous life and it, it destroys families of the people that are in that life. So this isn't me like glorifying it and being like, oh, it's this amazing thing. I just find it very interesting. But today we're talking about um, Nikki Scarfo, who was a boss of the Philadelphia crime family in the 80s, um, 
And like I said in the Tuesday Tuesday post, it's a great illustration of what a very volatile temper and a serious case of small man syndrome will will do. Um, are you ready to hear about this man, Amy? I'm always ready. I, I know <laughs> nothing about, well, I don't think anyone knows much about the mob in comparison to you, um, but I really know nothing about them. So I am <laughs> fully ready to hear about this, this short king. <laughs> short king. Uh, short, yes. Um, not sure about the king, king but so he was short. <laughs> it's short ass. <laughs> you can't deny. Uh, cool. So let's get stuck in. So Nicodemo Domenico Scarfo was born on March the 8th, 1929 in Brooklyn, New York, to an Italian immigrant family from Naples and Calabria. Um, Philip Leonetti, his nephew, subsequently said that the family, uh, quote, had strong ties to the mafia in Italy. Um, Scarfo and his family moved to South Philadelphia when he was 12, where he worked as a day labourer before graduating from Benjamin Franklin High School in 1947. He would become an amateur boxer, competing in small clubs throughout Philadelphia and acquiring a reputation in the ring for his violent demeanour. And that was something that would very much carry over into his life as the head of um, the, the the Philly mob. Um, maybe that was a better place for him to be than a boxing ring. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of... I don't know. Maybe it's just that I'm um, you know, getting my sources from the wrong place. Maybe I'm getting my mafia content from movies more than anything else. But it feels like a lot of people that are in the mafia start off boxing like it feels like some sort of like rite of passage that like if you don't at least do a little bit of boxing and win a couple of fights then you just can't do it but i think it's all just coincidence which is weird yeah i've I've seen a few um a few examples um of of a few different people both in in sicily and in the american mafia as well starting out the same way as scarfo did um but as I say, um, the street life seemed to be a bit more suited to um, uh, to Scarfo. And little Nicky, um, as he was known as Boxer, uh, was formally inducted into the Philly mob in 1954. Uh, by then boss, Joseph Ida at a ceremony held in New Jersey, alongside two of his uncles uh, who were also inducted as made men. Um, He'd earned a reputation as a dependable earner and an effective killer uh, by that point. Um, His uncle had taught him the ways of the mafia and one of the family's feared hitmen had trained him to kill. That's uh, quite an education. It's not something that, you know, most most family members are like, yeah, let's, let's, you know, I'll teach you how to like catch a baseball. (laughs) I'll teach you how to kill someone. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it it does make me wonder if there was like an official training program like you know when you start uh, particularly like in my mind I've got like a hospitality job where uh-huh. you have like a little book and it's got all like your tick boxes of the things that you have to learn <laughs> in order to do the job properly like you have to have you boxed yes have you want to fight yes <laughs> do you know how to give someone a pair of cement boots yes 
Do you know what I mean? Like you're just ticking yeah. off those little yeah. those little tick boxes and then you can officially become a made man. Yeah. Um, if only it were that simple, right? Nowadays, in 2023, the mob has like online training modules, like module one, yeah. how to remove someone's eye with a, <laughs> with a corkscrew. <laughs> yeah, submit your final assessment here yeah. and you just have to put an ear in the post. <laughs> like, it's, it's, um... If you get less than 75%, you don't pass this module. Sorry. Yeah, so you're gonna have to go back and start again. I'm afraid. <laughs> um, so, uh, Scarfo um, would walk in to um, the Oregon Diner in South Philadelphia on May the 25th, 1963, and he would take an, he would take exception to someone sitting in his preferred booth. Oh no, um, that is annoying. To be fair, it is annoying. It is very annoying. Um, I mean, I'm not going to kill someone over it, but like, it is annoying. Like, you know, you or me would, would be see that and we'd be like, that's annoying. I like that booth. Uh, it's a really nice booth. It's close to, I don't know, it's close to what's, I don't know, the door. It's close to something that's convenient. It's got plush Yeah, I mean, for me, seats, I need like... it to be away from the door so I'm not getting the draft and preferably quite close to the toilet because I just like to know where the toilet is. Close to the toilet? Or if it's like an open yeah. kitchen, it could be close to the kitchen so you can oh, see yeah. your food being yeah, made. Yeah, yes, I can like... see it. Yeah, I yeah. Like yeah. And I, I like to be in the corner overlooking the restaurant so I can see everyone and what they're doing and potentially. Yes. So I, I, I kind of read lips a lot of the time because I'm partially yeah. deaf. So I like to be able to see people's faces so I yeah. can see what they're talking about. Yeah. It's always fun. I like to people watch, so a booth that oversees everything like that—that that would yeah, be perfect. That would be pretty spot on. Um, but again, but if, if I don't get it, yeah, not that great. If that booth wasn't available, like you know, like we said, it would be a bit annoying. But we would find another booth that's yeah. equally as good, or like somewhat as good. Um, but considering Nikki Scarfo's got a short fuse and a volatile temper. He didn't quite find a different booth to sit at. Um, and an argument would uh, ensue with the 24-year-old man, according to the New York Times. And because this is Nicky Scarfo, and he's got a bad temper, and he's, he's got a short fuse, and he, he's been trained to kill, it would uh, end with Scarfo stabbing him to death with a butter knife, of all things. I don't know how you stab someone to death with a butter knife, but he managed That's like it. the worst choice in life. <laughs> How many times I mean, did he have to stab him? <laughs> I can imagine. You're basically, like, it one was step away from stabbing someone with a spoon. <laughs> I know. Like, I shouldn't Just, laugh you know, because someone died. No. But at the same yeah, time, I'm just trying to wrap my head around the logistics of killing someone with a butter knife. How? Yeah. How? How? I mean, to be honest, I think if I was looking at the available cutlery on the table when thinking about killing someone, probably would have gone fork before I went butter knife. Yeah, or if there was like that a steak like knife on the table, more. like grab that. Oh yeah, steak knife is always going to be number one. I can only assume that there wasn't a steak. But if you're choosing butter knife first, I don't. It's just not. It's no. just not the best weapon of choice. Maybe... This has turned into like a criticism of this dude. Obviously, don't kill people if you can't get your booth. But if you're going to, maybe choose a better implement than a butter knife. 
God's sake, Scarf, are you been trained to kill people when a butter knife yeah. is what you choose? No wonder you didn't pass first time. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> um, so Scarfo would plead guilty to manslaughter and he would be sentenced to 10 months um, in the slammer. So that booth must have been fucking fantastic if he thought that, yeah. like, stabbing someone with a butter knife was the way to to sort that yeah. old um, odd argument out. I wonder if he had like um I don't know maybe it had like massage seats or something and he was just particularly stressed that day. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. maybe we'll never know. But maybe it's a bit weird. Um, so when Scarfo did return to the streets of Philadelphia, um, he would return to some unwelcome news. Um, the um boss of the family at the time, Angelo Bruno, uh, wasn't particularly pleased. Um, with Nicky Scarfo and the attention that the incident drew. I think it goes without saying that when you're in the mob, you don't particularly want to attract a lot of attention. You want to be quite low-key. You want people to think that the, maf- the mafia doesn't really exist. If you go around stabbing people with butter knives, that's... <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine that he walked in and he was like, okay, point A, what the fuck? Like, you're all over the <laughs> Everyone saw it. And point B, butter knife, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Rethink your choices, son. Like, you really, really need to talk. <laughs> um, so as punishment, he was sent to the backwater of Atlantic City. The once thriving resort town was very much past its glory days. Um, economically stunted at this point, it had long become a shadow of what it once was. For the purposes of the mob, Nicky Scarfo may as well have just been sent to the moon, to be honest. So, yeah, that, he kind of fucked up a little bit on that one. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Little bit. He got sent to the naughty step, which happens to got sent to the naughty quarter. <laughs> Think about what you've done. <laughs> so Scarfo would bide his time in the crime family throughout the 1970s. Uh, when gambling became legal in Atlantic City in 1976, um, Nicky would prioritise it as his primary source of income. As I said, Atlantic City was regarded as a backwater um, at the time he was sent there. However, its rise as a gambling mecca would make Scarfo a bit of a powerhouse. As additional casinos were developed in the reju- rejuvenated Atlantic City, Scarfo's cement contracting business, um, called Scarfo, uh, Scarf Inc., um, very imaginative, imaginative title. Um, from Scarf Inc. Scarf Inc. <laughs> like, just... It sounds like what you do when you go shopping for scarves. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing today? I'm just going scarfing. Set. Holy crap. Like, you, you saying that has just made me realise, like, how easy would it be for people to get confused? Like, they'll be, like, thinking that he has a scarf business. <laughs> he sells scarf. Yeah. And then and they're cement. like, no, it's a cement contracting business. Um, there's no scarves in scarfing. That's just Sorry. annoying. <laughs> like, if you're driving past and, you know, you've been doing it for a while on, like, your little Sunday drive and you look and you think, 
do you know what? I really must pop in there one day. I really would like to peruse their scarves. And then one day you go in and it turns out to be a fucking cement company. You'd be well annoyed. <laughs> I would be. I do that all the time. Like, I walk past so many shops on a regular basis and think, I must pop in there. It looks quite nice. And when I've got time, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to have a look. Yeah. And it's normally yeah. things that I, I think that I might like. So I like scarves. I mm -hmm. would probably walk past scarfing. I can't not say it like that now. I'd probably walk past <laughs> scarfing quite a lot thinking, I like scarves, I'm going to pop in there one day. And then if I went in and they were like, yeah, we don't do that, I'd, yeah. I'd be fuming. I'd be very upset. I'd probably stab someone with a butter knife, to be honest. <laughs> There's like the tiniest, tiniest scarf to display, like right in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> That's worse. That's so much worse. <laughs> I'd rather there be no scarves at all than one like, you know, novelty scarf yeah and it would be the ugliest scarf as well it's not even going to be a nice one it's going to be some no eyesore um so i wouldn't be happy <laughs> uh so yes his cement uh contracting business uh scarf inc um which he co-owned with his uh nephew um would end up acquiring new business um judge edward helfant um would be shot and killed in 1978 by Scarfo and associate uh, Nicholas Nick the Blade Virgilio for refusing to comply with them and to assist Virgilio in getting a reduced sentence when he was charged uh, with murder. Vincent Falcone, or Falcone, is, is the E silent when it's that sort of name? I can never remember. I, I feel like it might be Falcone. Is Just because that sounds sounds right, I think I've heard that name before, and I think I remember it having a, a okay. e on the end. But I don't, I don't know. Who knows? Let us know in the comments. Why don't you comment? <laughs> Tell us how great of a job we're doing. Um, and if Dom said it wrong, I don't know. Don't go all yeah. Deborah. I'm sure yeah, it'll be fine. Don't don't be a Deborah. Um, or they're like mafia people. That's best. Mafia, yeah. All yeah. the mobsters that listen to this podcast are now like, what? <laughs> put, please don't butter knife us. We're, we're... Don't put out a hit on me, please. Um, we don't. So, <laughs> so Vincent Falcone, or Falcone, one of those, um, uh, an associate and contractor, would be shot and killed um, in 1979 by Phil Leonetti, um, Scarfo's nephew, on uh, Scarfo's orders. Uh, this was due to Falcone slash Falcone uh, making disparaging uh, comments towards Scarfo and his business. Don't don't make disparaging remarks to someone who's got a very short temper. <laughs> well, I've been making disparaging remarks as well. Like, where's my fucking scarves, dickhead? <laughs> what does he say? You know, if you're going to be called scarfing, uh, just sell scarves and don't be a twat. Like, this has nothing like a... to do with anything else. This is false advertising. No, that's true. And he, I suppose he could branch out, couldn't he? He could. It could still be a, con a cement contracting business, but he could also, <laughs> like... Yeah. It could also I be mean, a I mean, that famous business. combo. Yeah. Scarves Concrete and, and scarves. They go hand in hand. <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> Hey, chicken I mean, waffles was... go together and no one thought that would work. So here we are. 
To be fair, that's probably like a, a mafia-like killing method. Some combination of scarves and cement. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cement, cement scarf isn't generally the done thing, I don't think. It's not a well-known thing, but maybe that's what they were into. Maybe. So back in Philadelphia, the winds of change were soon to be a blowing. Um, and it wouldn't be long um, before two bosses would be eliminated in very short succession and the bloody brutal reign of Nicky Scarfe would begin. But before we get to the reign of terror, that was the Scarfe regime, I think it's time for a wee break before we dive into the just shit show uh, <laughs> that, that this, this man's reign was. Amy, what, what do you say? <clears throat> I think so. I need a bit more time to contemplate the whole bottom knife murder, I think. <laughs> I definitely need a few minutes. I'm, I'm just confused, a, if nothing else. That's the sticking point of this whole it episode. Really, I'm is. very annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd like to see the manager. The mob, I guess. I don't know. The manager but, of the mob. Yeah. yeah. The, <laughs> the, the, Who's the manager? Who's in charge? The regional Scarfo. manager. Of you know. the mob. <laughs> oh, if you're going to kill someone, do it effectively and do it efficiently. And picking up a butter knife is not the way to do that. That's my complaint. It's, it's not the most efficient way, is it? Um, but hey-ho. So we're going to have a little break and we shall see you in just a few minutes. Hey, Steven. Hey, Leo. I love horror movies. So do I. I don't love that I have nobody to talk about them with. It sucks. You see something great, you tell your friends to go see it, and they don't have the time because they have kids and a job. <sighs> they have a life. Boring. I know. Imagine if there was a podcast where you could make your buddy watch a horror movie and under threat of death they had to, and then you got to talk about it, crack jokes, things like that. That sounds wonderful. What if we did it? We could do it. Under threat of death. Yes, so much death, so much threat. I love it. We could call it Spoils of Horror. Great name. And guess what? What? We've been doing it for three months. What? It's crazy. We're on all major podcasting platforms. You can search Spoils of Horror on all social medias. Come check us out. Hang out with us. Have a good time. Join us. If you dare. Dun, dun, dun. In a world that has been completely divided for so long, Two movie fans have decided to unite for the people and the betterment of mankind. One, an action movie buff. The other, a horror movie fanatic. Together, they will try to bridge the gap of both genres into one podcast with their battle cry. Give me back my action and horror movies. Listen along as Charlie and Nate alternate each week talking about action and horror movies they cherish, mostly from the VHS era. Also, including some modern examples that felt like the movies they grew up with by answering the battle cry. Give me back my action and horror movies. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Look them up on Facebook and Instagram. Welcome back to part two uh, of today's episode. Um, what do you think of uh, Nicky Scarfo so far, Amy? What do you think of the guy? I know that he's a scary man in that 
you know, he's killing people and he's, he, you're probably what you're about to tell me is going to make me even more scared of him. But I've got like this picture of him in my head as just being like this really tiny little guy who, like, I don't know, would maybe just try and talk to you at a bar and you'd just be like, no, sorry. <laughs> I'm here with some somebody else. Okay. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I can't imagine myself taking him very seriously. Yeah. Um, and maybe yet, that's why he was. They don't want to get killed, so maybe I should. Maybe that's why he was so angry. He just got because he kept like, rejected. Rejected from women at the bar, and he was just like, you know what? Fine, I'm gonna take it out on other people and kill people with butter knives and and stuff like that. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm all for a short king. Like, short king, step up. Not that was a bad choice of words. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just got that. Short Kings, you do you. I'm, I'm a huge yeah. fan. But you've kind of got to like own it. And I think compared with when you add that to like a little man syndrome thing, it's not very, it just doesn't do it for me. But yeah. if you're cool with the fact that you're short, that by all means, I, I don't mind being taller than someone. But if you're being a prick and you're just if you if you're acting like a small man then yeah. the fact that you're short isn't going to help you no no um absolutely not and there are a few quotes um that i go into near the end of the episode that just sum up uh little mm -hmm. nikki scarfo um pretty well to be honest mm -hmm. um but what do you what do you say that we get into the second part of of today's episode <clears throat> tell me what he did i'm i'm ready oh we did a lot um cool so uh as is the case so often in the mob something that the colombo family can attest to due to having three internal wars all over power uh there had to be a power struggle before nikki scarfo could take the top spot of the family a little tidbit i know this is not about nikki scarfo but I also think it's quite interesting and sort of puts into perspective how often a power struggle happens in probably just organized crime in general, but especially the mob. Um, so the Colombo family, as I said, had three separate wars. Um, and the third Colombo family war, which was from 91 to 93, I think, or 94. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not a mob expert i just like <laughs> reading about it um but yeah from about 91 to 93 slash 94 um and it absolutely devastated the family i think 123 members were arrested and 12 died um Shit. 12 made men would end up flipping and become informants and it would leave half about half of the family in prison um Damn. they would yeah it, it wasn't good uh they would be eventually kicked off of the commission and we'll go into what the commission is a little bit later um due to the war and there was talk of straight up dissolving the family entirely and then splitting its manpower over the other families um it wasn't until 2002 so 90 yeah 
like almost a decade after the war had ended um that they were allowed back onto the commission um and it never really recovered and it's still viewed as the weakest of the five families in new york it's a little factoid that so. is actually quite a big factoid but i appreciate <laughs> it it was like i um i ordered the kids portion and you gave me the full adult and i wasn't that hungry but i love it <laughs> oh dear um yeah it's it's quite an interesting and i know it's entirely unrelated to nikki scarfo um but it sort of shows that how how often um a power struggle can can occur and the damage that it can cause yeah. to 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 a, a family um yeah that's so definitely pretty nuclear yeah absolutely um and like i said it was over power it was over someone wanting to become boss and then yeah. the the existing boss not wanting to relinquish his position and then they split into two factions and the two factions went to war and it kind of destroyed the family pretty much. Um, a little bit. So, yeah, not great. Uh, so back to our our small king, <laughs> Nicky Scarfo. Um on the evening of March the 21st, 1980, um, the power struggle would begin. As he was sitting in his car outside his South Philadelphia home, family boss Angelo Bruno would be killed by a shotgun blast to the head um, while just chilling in, in his car. Yikes. <laughs> Fucking deeds. That's not great. Um... No. <laughs> yeah. and that's that's a definite like death as well like a shotgun blast to the head <laughs> i mean there's no question that you wanted to kill that person do you know what i mean it's yeah he just gets he just gets blasted in the head and then he's just like that was really unnecessary why yeah how <laughs> why would you do that i'm just sitting in my car what the fuck <laughs> yeah i was just vibing you come along and blew my brains out and not in the fun right. way how dare you so uh, Angelo Bruno was known as the Gentle Don because of his preference for conciliation over violence, which is in stark contrast to other bosses, such as Nicky Scarfo, for example. Um, and Bruno would maintain decorum and mutual respect in South Jersey and Philadelphia. Um, Bruno would take over for boss... Uh, Joseph Ida in 1959 as the head of the Philadelphia family and over the next 20 years Bruno um, quite rare quite surprisingly for the mob for the mob and also quite um, rarely does this happen uh, he avoided the intense media and law enforcement scrutiny and outbursts of violence that plagued other crime families um, it was quite the um what's the word um quite the isolated case of uh, a mob boss you know not deciding that killing everyone for looking at them in the wrong way is the way to go about things um he was yeah. you know he was like yeah let's let's have a sit down let's discuss it let's get some wine Let, let's talk things through he, he wasn't as trigger happy as as other bosses yeah i mean in theory a good thing i'm guessing you know, not not common 
No. Not that um, about the mob, but not known for their, you know, reconciliation techniques. No. Um, and, I mean, the only sort of other case that I can think of that comes to mind is Carlo Gambino, um, who I think was boss with, for 20 years, and I don't think he spent one day in prison. And he wow. died a free man. Um, and he was quite low-key in the way that Angelo Bruno was. You know, he didn't live in a massive house. He didn't drive a flash car. Um, yeah. You know, he was he made sure to conduct business privately. Um, so he managed to avoid, you know, a, quite a lot of law enforcement scrutiny. Um, yeah. So that's the only other sort of example that I can think of. However, um, Angelo Bruno's death effectively put an end to the calm in Philadelphia's underworld and would bring about a new period of chaos and mayhem. Um, Bruno's conciliaire, um, if you don't know what a conciliaire is, it's sort of the advisor, I think, to the boss. So his Bruno's conciliaire, Anton, Antonio uh, Caponegro, is thought to have given the order to kill um, Bruno. Um, Caponegro foresaw the end of the peaceful Angelo Bruno regime and decided to hasten it. Um, after his death, Caponegro was certain that he could rely on the support of several important figures in um, the administration. Uh, Caponegro would travel to New York City to meet with Frank Thierry, um, who was the front boss of the Genovese uh, crime family at the time. As far as I know, a front boss or like a street boss handles like the day-to-day -day running of the family, but they're not the sort of de facto boss. Um, and it's, it's sort of a way for the actual boss to insulate himself from law enforcement. Um, so sense. yeah, it's, it makes sense. Um, but also if you're an acting boss, you're sort of a bit like thrown out to the wolves in a way because yeah, yeah, I can, I can see why. Um, they would I'm sorry, it. but the entire time, every time you said front boss, um, all I could think of was uh, front bum, which is what my mum used to refer to my vagina as <laughs> when I was a child. <laughs> so that unlocked a memory I probably didn't need to unlock um, <laughs> in a way that definitely doesn't make sense. But it also is kind of applicable because like the front boss deals with you know the the front facing stuff you know it's it's where all the fun is and then the back boss is the one that deals with the shit and that is very much when you think about it like a vagina and a butt yes yeah it is actually it is there you go who'd have yeah. who'd have thought that that the mob the metaphor for the mob is front bum <laughs> front bum and back bum, and back bum. It's, it's the only thing that makes sense when you really think about it not a comparison that I thought I'd be making during the course of this episode, you know, genitals and the mob, but one that's quite applicable. They go together, the mob and they do. genitalia. Yeah. <laughs> and front bottoms. So, yeah, um, I say the front, the front boss, front bum, um, front would, bum, would, yeah. would be the one who sort of runs the day to day, um, the 
the boss, the de facto boss, still has final say um, over over sort of things that that go on. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, Captain Negro would receive assurance from uh, Thierry that he would stand by him before the commission. Um, we spoke about it uh, in our previous mob episode, which was quite a, quite a while ago now. So I'll briefly sort of go over what the commission is. Um, so for those who don't know, um, the commission is essentially the governing body of the American mafia. Even organized crime need uh, need governing bodies. Um, and it was formed in 1931 by Charles Lucky Luciano replacing the title of and this was amy's favorite word from our first mob episode um replacing the title of capo di tutti capi or boss of all bosses <laughs> i still like it it's still my favorite i know it just it rolls just off the so tongue cute. it does it's just so cute <laughs> It, really it sounds does. like something that, like, an Italian grandma would call her her grandchild, just in a, like, a yeah. little cute way. Yeah. Or, like, a, maybe a type of, like, really tiny pasta. But either way, it's cute. Um, so the commission's duties would include keeping an eye on all mafia activity um, throughout the country and to mediate conflicts among families. Um, when a... Uh, mob boss position would become available for whatever reason typically because the mob boss was eliminated um you're not going to go on indeed and find a job vacancy for a mob boss uh unfortunately Damn. or fortunately that's where i've been going wrong <laughs> i say unfortunately i don't think like being a boss and I'll, I'll I'll go into it a little bit later. But being a boss, like it sounds good, like you're the head of the family, you get tribute and you get, you know, money gets you know sort of kicked up to you, and you get the most money. You know, you can get a really nice house, you can buy a really nice car, you, you know, lots of women. That sounds amazing. But at the same time, as but a actually, boss, actually, you're just a back bum dealing with all the. You're shit. You're just a back bum dealing with all the shit. Um, and also as boss, you have the biggest target on your back, not only from law enforcement, but also, you know, as, as, you know, um, as Caponegro proved your own men, <laughs> if they want to become mm -hmm. boss, have, yeah. have no problem killing you. Um, so I don't think I'd want to be a boss, to be honest. No, I don't think I would either. Just sounds um, stressful. I'll, I'll just be a front bum. <laughs> I'll be the conciliere because I could be like, you know, I'm in the boss's ear. I might just be like the the barmaid at their regular because <laughs> they, they're very respectful of those people. Like if you're serving them drinks, you know, that person is not someone that you're going to want to kill. And if anyone else killed them, you'd be pretty pissed off. So I think that's who I'll be. Maybe I'll just, you know, I'll polish the glasses, pour the shots. True and just yeah not see anything you know not see anything the, not say anything yeah you can be the bar the the barmaid at their social club yeah i think that's a good plan i'll do the opposite of what the british plant transport police tell us to do and um, we have like <laughs> a slogan over here that's like 
see something, say something. Yeah. But yeah. as their barmaid, <laughs> I'll, I will be see nothing, say nothing. Um, yeah. That I, I think I could do that quite successfully. And I know how to pour a pint. So there you, you go. Know, it's, it's win-win. Everything's coming up yeah. roses. That's it. You don't want to be sleeping with the fishes, do you? You don't want to be doing that. No, I do not. No. no in, in my cement boots that may or may not have come with a scarf. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, um, as I say, when a mob boss position would become available, um, which is typically because the boss was killed, uh, the commission would convene to vote on who should become the next boss, who should fill that, um, quite, um, stressful job vacancy that I don't particularly want to have. Um, they also had the authority to accept new members, um, which needed to be authorized by all the families. Um, so as far as I know, and I mentioned him on our last mod episode, but I watched quite a lot of Michael Franzese um, on YouTube. He's got a YouTube channel. He was a, a, a captain in the Colombo family. Um, and like he's a born again Christian now and he does motivational speaking and stuff. Um, but he... I'm pretty sure he said like when you get proposed your name gets passed through all of the families and they make sure like you they can trace your family back to Italy and it's either your dad has to be Italian or both parents have to be Italian or they have to have Italian background um otherwise you're not going to be made so yeah they do like a yeah. background check essentially before they accept you which is fair. Probably a good fair. thing to do in that yeah. line of work. <laughs> it is a lot like an actual job. Like, you know, I mean, I'm pretty sure that job vacancies these days do a bit of a check. Probably why I can't get another job. I'm basically fucked. Um, but <laughs> in this case, it's, you know, are you Italian? Whereas yeah. in for a normal job, it's like, have you ever been sat before? Or yeah. do you have an only? Yeah. So if you're going to, I don't know, say, eliminate a boss, it's probably a good thing to get explicit permission from the commission before you do, because um, like a made man can't kill another made man without getting permission um, from the boss, I believe. And if you're wanting to kill a boss, then you you better get like a explicit yes from the commission or one of the commission bosses yeah, to right sort of back form. you up like you, you better that yes better be a yes not a um yeah <laughs> you're gonna want to be sure you're gonna want to be sure um and Capenegro, um bless him thought that he did have to go ahead uh to get rid of bruno allegedly being told by thierry quote you do what you got to do. Um, but unfortunately, Frank Thierry was not being quite as truthful um, as Caponegro would um, believe. Um, and Caponegro, unfortunately, was unaware that the commission actually had no plans to approve the killing of Angelo Bruno. So as soon as the commission became aware that Angelo Bruno was dead, Caponegro was immediately told to get to new york city um 
<laughs> oh no. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's unfortunate. That's, that's not what you want, is it? That's unfortunate. That's like the equivalent of getting an email 50 before the meeting. It's like, that's urgent. It's probably not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so when he would identify Thierry as the man who had authorised uh, the murder of Angelo Bruno, Thierry would categorically deny it and said that he only told Capinugro to work out his differences with Bruno. So the commission, unfortunately for, for old Capinugro, would rule that Bruno's murder was a violation of the mob's rules, something that was neither approved nor remotely considered. Um, and Amy, in, in the mob, um, if you break a rule, um, especially a rule such as don't kill a boss without a very clear yes from the commission. What is the normal outcome for that? You're sleeping with the fishes. You're sleeping with the fishes. You're you're going to get whacked, <laughs> boy. That, that's 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 what's going to happen. Um, and to the surprise of nobody, um, Capenigro and his brother-in-law Alfred Salerno, who he recruited for the assassination. Uh, would be found dead, battered and nude in the trunk of a car in the Bronx um, with, I believe, dollar bills stuffed in their mouths and their anus, which was a mafia sign of greed. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, this I... is what happens when you don't follow proper procedure. You have to follow... <laughs> The right things, like you have to fill in the right forms, you have to get the right stamp of approval from the right people before you go around killing people. We all yes. know this. Yeah. I mean, I say we all, the mob. I, I don't know this, I don't know what the procedure is. But if you've not got full permission, then you're going to end up with the dollar dollar bills in your bum and not in a mob <laughs> boss way, in an honest way. <laughs> Yeah, dollar bills stuck into the back booty. Um, so, yeah. Um, and I mean, it's it's kind of funny because, like, I'm, I'm going to assume that when you get made and you have, you know, the ceremony where they put the picture of the Virgin Mary in the palm of your hand and they set it on fire and they say, if you're going to betray your brothers, you'll burn it out, blah, 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 blah. I'm pretty sure they'd probably say there are rules and these are the rules, and if you break these rules, you're going to die. I'm pretty sure that's explicitly stated. So, Or at least a handbook, you know, something. <laughs> the mafia guide. Or just ask, you know, just ask your line manager um, yeah. to direct you to the procedure. Like, they'll know. But don't just assume. Do you think, like, after he had the commission meeting, he he went to like his HR representative and he was like, So I think I kind of fucked up. Is this gonna be bad? And I, the HR the HR person was like, What did you do? And he was like, I killed a boss, but I don't think I had like explicit permission. And the HR woman's just like <laughs> Well oh, Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna need a union rep. Ooh. Like this is out of my remit. <laughs> You're going to have dollar yeah. bills stuck in your anus quite soon. Sorry. You might want to loosen up that bumhole right now. Uh, <laughs> <it's got stood. laughs> 
Um, so as a final uh, middle finger to Capenigro, um because he hasn't uh, gone through enough, the poor, the poor bastard. Um, yeah. Because of Thierry's longtime desire for uh, his very lucrative, lucrative Newark bookmarking enterprise, Thierry and his friends would allegedly take over portions of his gambling companies, which was the whole reason for setting up Capenigro in the first place. Oh. <laughs> That's yeah, just a bit of a dick move. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, he's already having a bad day. He's already yeah. <laughs> arguably the worst day a man can have, um, you know, being dead and all. Um, so you could, could just let him off. After yeah. that, you know, after the death. Very no. easy, I reckon. He he wanted those gambling companies. He wanted that money money. Mm. He wanted that dollar dollar. Um are they gambling companies or is it more false advertising? Actually, they just I make pasta or something. Because apparently no one can tell the truth around here. Why you got a stereotype Italians? Oh, that was an accidental stereotype. It's just something <laughs> about pasta. It's <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. It's because I'm really, really thinking, do you know what, after this I'm going to make some spaghetti because I'm starving. And that's going on in the background brain. That's going on in the back brain and in the front brain it just came out as a as an accidental stereotype. So I'm very sorry if that offended anyone. It Maybe they're making, I don't know, pierogies? Is that, I don't is actually, that all I can think of? Where I don't actually know where pierogies come from. I think the Polish, I think. I but I don't know. I could have said anything, and apparently that's what I went with. <laughs> Pierogi is, is, is what came to mind. Um, yeah. As soon as I think, quick, name a food, my immediate response <laughs> is pierogies, because why wouldn't it be? Um, it's the yeah, only I don't food. Know. I'm, pa- I'm panicking. I'm floundering. I don't like thinking that I've offended anyone. I've done it by accident, so now I'm just, I'm just going to stop yeah. talking. Probably for Women good. just want spaghetti. Like, and I get that. I get so that. Hungry. After I'm so hungry. After after we we finish this recording, I'm gonna have a fat cheesy pasta bake. Sick. Mm. So so yes, moving on from the uh, food with Amy and Dom section of of this episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> um, so uh, Phil, um, Chicken Man Tester. I love the nicknames that mob guys just. I'd give each other. Amazing. Phil yeah, Chicken Man Tester. Obviously. Why would you not be Chicken Man? It makes perfect sense. Um, so, yeah, Phil Chicken Man Tester, um, who was Bruno's underboss, um, would be promoted to become the new boss, and he would name none other than Nicky Scarfo as his conciliaire. Um, however, Tester's time as boss would be um, brief and would end in quite a spectacular fashion um it has to be said um and that's because a few men in tester's um own family would resent the new boss one of these rather problematically was his own underboss uh peter casella who was an expert in bomb making who felt unappreciated i'm gonna emphasize expert in bomb making who felt underappreciated that's definitely someone you want to appreciate yes um and tester would find that out because 
1981, on the orders of his own underboss, Peter Casella and Capo Frank Narducci Sr., Testier would be blasted to smithereens by a nail bomb planted under his porch. What a way to go. I feel like that might be a first for us, you know. Saying yeah. the words blasted to death by a nail bomb. Have we had that before? I don't think No, we... I don't think we've ever had someone like just blown up by a bomb before. I think that is a first. No. Well, there you go. Oh, everyone, thank you for being here for this. <laughs> um, we're so glad that you're here with us. Um, we've just had our first bomb death. Oh, um, we have. We Bob, have. Thank you. Thank no, you for thank you. with me. Thank you. Thank you for being the co-host of the show while we finally get to our first bomb death. Like if 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 journey. this happened, if this happened while I was still doing it solo, it, it wouldn't. It just wouldn't be the same. I'm glad that you're here yeah. with me. There would be no one <laughs> making sarcastic comments about it. It just it wouldn't work. Um, so yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is pretty fucked. Like that's fucked. That's yes, um, in. A nail bomb is pretty bad, so we're not joking about that. That is terrible, but also yeah, definitely a first. Um, so this incident would result in Narducci being uh, shot um, and killed um, and Casella being banished from the mob and fleeing to Florida. Um, and Tester's murder would spark a war, surprise, surprise, within the Philadelphia crime family. None other than Nicky Scarfo would present himself for the top job. He had a PowerPoint presentation ready to go. Uh, he was ready. Um, Prepared. And he gained the commission's uh, approval and would become the new boss of the family. Um, Salvatore uh, Molina would be chosen to be his underboss and Frank Monte uh, would become his conciliaire. So... Now we get to the Scarfo um, regime, which, fair to say, was was eventful. <laughs> it wasn't chill. It was anything but chill, to be honest. So Scarfo would rule the family for close to a decade, um, and his rule would be fueled by paranoia and aggression. Um, Scarfe would pursue whomever he believed was connected to Tester's murder, um, which is understandable, I guess. Your boss got killed. You probably want to exact some revenge. Um, however, the problem is when he ran out of targets, he would just create new ones and would continue killing people. So that's probably, that's not so good. Sure. Okay. Um... <laughs> I'm going to guess that's being proactive. I don't know. I'm not really sure what to say about that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Definitely not doesn't sound paranoid. No, no, no paranoia at all. None. No. <laughs> absolutely none. Absolutely Ooh. zero. Also um, no aggression. Um, absolutely not aggressive in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like I said, it was a, probably a combination of things you know a, a volatile temper quite a short fuse um maybe some small man complex um and like he was sort of paranoid to the point that if he saw you as a threat he would try and kill you 
if you looked at him in a way that he viewed as disrespectful he would try and kill you like yeah, yeah he was he was he was a bit it was a bit jumpy there's just no need is there <laughs> i mean if anything no. it's just utterly <laughs> exhausting just have a rest yeah. just, just you know not everyone's out to get you just take it. a nap you know have that's a snickers it. you're not you when you're hungry i was literally about to be like scarfo have a snickers mate <laughs> yeah that's God yeah, damn it. Have a tic tac. Like, just, just do chill. something. Um, in order to keep his position among the blood that had already been poured by 1981, um, Scarfo would urge his shoulder soldiers to commit even more murders. Um, and Scarfo would focus on Harry the Hunchback Rick and Benny, um, who was a rival from uh, the underworld. He created a list of potential targets under Rick Benny's influence. In response, Rick Benny would take out hits on Scarfo's men. The, the public would be shocked by some of the shootings, um, mainly because they were committed out in the open quite brazenly with sort of no regard for anybody else, which is quite common in mob wars. I think, like, there was quite a few civilian casualties in the in the third Colombo war um that were just bystanders that you know got were too close to an explosion um and yeah yeah not good um uh so as a as a result of the war um Rick and Benny's younger brother would unfortunately die uh, his brother Mario would turn government informant and Rick Benny himself would receive a life sentence for first degree murder. So I don't know who won that war. Maybe Scarfo, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's not a clear winner, is it? No. But, um, one of them not in prison. So I guess that's your answer. I mean, there are no winners. I suppose Scarfo was less of a loser. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like we've got like a proper um like teachable moment just then like there are no winners in the mob children only losers <laughs> and and that's like a point that we should highlight maybe pop that in the um in the show notes yeah. just to you know yeah. hammer home that we're not, we're not supporters of, of the activities of the mob that's for it. this reason that's it um so the Philadelphia crime family would uh, start to fester and burn from within um, under the Scarfo regime. Um, Scarfo would demand devotion, but would quickly turn on his men if they missed a meeting or uttered something he considered was uh, disrespectful. Um, as stated earlier, if he thought you posed a challenge to his authority, oh, oh, oh he would, uh, he would not take that uh, particularly well. Um, and would turn quite deadly, something that Salvatore Salvi Tester, son of Phil Tester, would very much find out. So uh, when he decided to have um, Salvatore, uh, the son of Phil Tester and one of Scarfo's most skilled hitmen, killed, um, he would startle even his most devoted subordinates. The young Tester was viewed as a rising mob star with a promising career in the underworld. Um, and surprise, surprise, the paranoid Nicky Scarfe would start to view Salvi as a threat to his position as boss. Uh, 
and Nicky mm-hmm. Scarvo would decide that he wanted him gone. Of course he would. Yes. Um, I mean, of what course. other option is there, really? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so on September the 14th, 1984, Nicky Scarfo would lure Tester into an ambush using the help of Tester's own best friend. Um, in Gloucester Township, New Jersey, the police would discover his body bound with rope and covered in a blanket on the side of the road. Um, two gunshot wounds to the back of his head um, were what killed him. Um, Scarfo would have a reputation for disloyalty as a result of the murder of Salvatore Testa, and several um, criminal organizations throughout the United States started to view him as quite the problem. Um, I mean, he's not inspiring peace and prosperity, really. Is he? I mean, not massively, no. I, I, to be honest, I think the problem is a bit of an understatement. Like, clearly, he's fucking toxic and volatile. Um, mm. But, you know, I don't want to put words in anyone's. Let's just call him a problem. Yeah. He is. He is. Wasn't there someone on, like, I don't know, like Jersey Shore, whose, like, nickname was, like, the problem or the issue or something? I don't know. Um, Pretty viewers, sure if you've just tuned in, watch It was one of my Maybe guilty pleasures for a little bit, to be fair. Um, oh, no. I know. Really? I wasn't like a just religious... Just listen to I, some share. I wasn't like a religious viewer. I didn't like record the whole series. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, tonight okay. is Jersey Shore night. <laughs> no, that's how it was. That's how it was. You know, just own it. Have a, have a nice thick skin. You're not short. So, you know, it's much a bit Jersey showing no problem. You know, we're all friends here. I'm sure myself and the listeners won't judge you, even though I kind of already. Uh huh. Okay. What was your guilty pleasure? I you just, had a I guilty pleasure. I admitted it like 30 seconds ago. My, my guilty pleasure is that when, again, this is going to be tangent galore, um, but when I'm feeling a little bit down, like I, I pretty much only listen to him, like pretty heavy metal, to be honest. That's kind of like my go-to when it comes to music. But occasionally, if I'm having a bad day, I'll put on a little bit of Cher because um... I just, I like her voice. And yeah, she sings some quite like, you know, quite yeah. uh, jaunty tunes yeah. with some inspirational jaunty words. Tunes. So I'll put on a little bit of, uh, a little bit of Cher. Or a little bit of ABBA. I'm quite partial to a little bit of ABBA as well. Um, just, you know, get their tunes on. Um, but program-wise, I don't really have one, I don't think. Although I ABBA, watch... Um, ABBA's not a guilty pleasure. Anyone who disrespects ABBA I mean, can it, can I leave. Like, ABBA is... I, I think it might be a little bit. Not taking ABBA slander. I am not taking any ABBA slander. Absolutely none. I think it's more that I'm like... I, I'm I'm, you know... Iron Maiden, Sabbath, <laughs> you know, I'm on these like pretty heavy bands and all of a sudden there's a little bit of ABBA that sneaks into the Spotify rap. Um, I think that's why I would class it as a guilty pleasure. I can vibe with that. I can vibe with that. Like my Spotify goes from like Avenged Sevenfold to ABBA to like Johnny Cash, then to Frank Sinatra. <laughs> like it's, it's a bit all over the place. 
So yeah, that's not too bad. Not too bad. I wonder not what Johnny bad. Scarfo, Johnny Scarfo, Nicky Scarfo. It's because you just said Johnny Cash. Nicky Scarfo's <laughs> guilty pleasure was. I wonder if he enjoyed a bit of ABBA or um. I don't know. I have I'd a feeling, right? Sure, but I don't think it goes that far back. No, maybe some. Maybe to get himself hyped up, it was some screamo or something. You know, he needed to get himself like amped. Yeah. Maybe he's a fan of like padded insoles. Is she? (laughs) Oh dear. I'm taking the piss a lot, but only because he's a bad man. If if you're a nice (laughs) person and short, then it's absolutely fine. But if you're a bad man and you're short, it might. Don't let him hear you say that. He's got thin skin. So. So, yeah, um, the hit would uh, make Scarfo's men feel uh, quite understandably a bit uneasy. Um, And as each person would start to become concerned about their own life, um, paranoia would start to develop. Scarfo believed he was in control of the situation, uh, but more and more of his once loyal soldiers would start considering doing the unthinkable and breaking the most sacred of um, mob rules. Uh, And they were breaking their oaths of a murder and would start to become government witnesses and turning their back on the family. It's hardly surprising, I guess, if the government are like, we'll put you in the witness protection program, we'll give you money, we'll give you a new identity, we'll move you. Like, you know, it's either that or stay in the family and accidentally um i don't know make a joke Die. that scarfo <laughs> takes offense to and then like you're eliminated like so i think i know what one i would probably go for yeah i mean i'm not under threat of being you know killed by the mob and probably take the witness protection as well so i do get it yes um absolutely so uh, nicholas the crow uh Karamandi, um, a soldier and feared hitman, a hitman in the family, would break his oath and become a government witness um, after he received a message from a fellow uh, Philadelphia family um, member, Raymond Martirano, uh, while in prison, um, who allegedly, um, who would say that um, boss Nicky Scarfo was planning to have the crow murdered so he was like yeah i'm gonna start cooperating put me in the witness protection program (laughs) least (laughs) yeah i think Um, i think that would probably push me towards this a bit more yeah yeah um thomas uh tommy dell um del giorno um a capa regime or captain um for the family would follow becoming an informant in 1988 however however the ultimate betrayal would come in 1989 when not only his own underboss but his own nephew philip crazy phil leonetti would flip and become an informant testifying against his uncle as i say in 1989 that's got a sting Oh. <laughs> they are here flipping uh, like pancakes. Jesus. It's, it's not going well. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Just imagine like <laughs> your nephew just looking straight at you while he's giving evidence against you. Oh. 
Ouch. Thanks. <laughs> um, so uh, when Leonetti testified, it was the last piece of evidence the prosecution would need to secure Scarfo's conviction as he was sentenced to 55 years in prison for racketeering and several gangland murders. Um, and that's where Nicky Scarfo would remain until January the 13th, 2017. So not too long ago, only six years ago, um, yeah. when little Nicky Scarfo uh, would die in prison at the age of 87 of natural causes. But that's not the end of our tale. Um, there is more. Um, mm. So, first off, just want to add that Nicky Scarfo ordered the murders of ne murders of nearly thirty members of his own organisation. Probably not the best way to cultivate a positive work environment. I'll be honest. No, not ideal. No. <laughs> Scarfo's actions also not only caused considerable damage to his um, crime family, but more importantly, it tore apart his um, blood family. Uh, Chris, his oldest son, um, would marry and adopt his wife's maiden name in order to escape the notoriety that came with his birthright. His youngest son, Mark, actually had... Um, a extremely tragic end um, and it's quite an upsetting one I'll be honest um, during his father's trial uh, Mark would attempt suicide on November the 1st 1988 um, only 17 years old he had been taunted for years by classmates about his father's criminal activities um, Mark Scarfe would hang himself at the office of his father's concrete supply firm after becoming increasingly depressed over the prospect of his father being imprisoned. His mother would discover him, and paramedics were able to revive him. Um, he experienced cardiac arrest, depriving his brain of oxygen, um, and he would fall into a coma, um, and unfortunately he would never wake from it, and he would pass away in April 2014. As for Nicky Scarfo Jr., the middle son, um, he would quite unwisely uh, follow in his father's footsteps and has since paid quite a steep price. Um, he is 56 years old and has been in prison for nearly one third of his adult life. Um, and he's currently serving a 30-year prison sentence for his part in a scheme to seize control of the First Plus Financial Group and steal millions of dollars from it. Um, he won't have his first opportunity to be released from his current sentence until 2037. So that's, he's going to be waiting a while for, does not for that. Pay. No, no. Um, and sort of, it reminds me of what, Michael Franzese has said um, in, in, you know, some of his videos, you know, he, he said that he doesn't know of anyone in that life whose family has just been decimated by being in that life. You know, his, if we, you know, use Michael as an example, and this is what I remember, Michael Franzese, if you're watching this, I'm sorry if I get any of this wrong. His 
father got a 55 year or a 50 year prison sentence um which meant that like his the the marriage between his dad and mum fell apart um his sister dry, died of a drug overdose his brother became a drug addict um and testified against their own dad um at some point yeah. um like his family got torn apart and you know if you look at Nicky Scarfo you know his his son trying to take his own life and I think it sort of puts it into perspective the effect that being a being a child of someone in that life the effect that that can have yeah. on on the children absolutely um, they didn't choose it you know they didn't choose to no. be part of that they were just exactly born right. into it. so it's not yeah exactly not nice no um and i know i mentioned it at the start um when i said that i love mob stuff and i just wanted to sort of make it clear that i wasn't romanticizing it um because it is a evil lifestyle you know you, you can't say that it's not it's an evil lifestyle and i think i think it's it's been romanticized by you know film by video games by um yeah. you know so many mediums but actually you know it can cause severe damage to your own family but also it's not this life that's built on respect and loyalty um because everyone in that life is hungry for power um yeah. and you know your best friend and michael michael i know i've mentioned him a few times now but michael franzis you know has said that you know your best friend in that life can walk you into a room and you'll never walk out again um yeah. you know your best friend can do that to you don't just it's not something that you should ever want to get into like it really isn't so um the elder scarfo um so scarfo nicky scarfo senior idolized al capone a fellow brooklynite who had moved away from the big apple um despite hardly resembling him where capone had wit and panache scarfo would lack both of these qualities according to legend al capone once stated quote you can go a long way with a smile you can go a lot farther with a smile and a gun unfortunately nicky scarfo wasn't interested in the smile the gun was all that Scarfo really wanted. Famed mob author George Anastasia would say of Nicky Scarfo, quote, there was no sense of charisma, not even a hint of the old mafia mystique. Scarfo was a bully with a gun. And I think that encapsulates Nicky Scarfo pretty well. Scarfo really was just a bit of a bully with a gun. And that was our case on Nikki Scarfo. Amy, I know that was a bit of a long one, but what do you think of old Nikki Scarfo now that you've heard about his life and crimes? Well, yeah, his story was longer than he was. Um, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's he, good. he definitely sounds like he's just one of those types of people. That he, when you're already involved in the mob you're always going to be power hungry you're always going to be pushing for the next step up you're going to be paranoid that people 
you know, out to get you or that they don't respect you. But I think that's even more emphasised when you've got the sort of personality that it sounds yeah. like he had, which is yeah. very insecure, very, you know, needing to prove yourself as a um, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And when you combine those two things, it's never going to go well. It's never going to end in a way that is beneficial to anyone. And obviously going over what happened to his family, it's always, you know, it's just more evidence of that. And unfortunately, it happened to the people that he was closest to, which is horrible. You know, I'm sure that he would never have wanted that for his family. And yet, for some reason, he couldn't see that that's what was going to happen. Like, he was dragged into it as well. So, by all accounts, not a massively nice. No. um, I think, for me, obviously totally agree he he's just a an awful person um and totally agree with george anastasia he was he was nothing but a bully and he just happened to have a gun um but yeah it is quite fascinating sort of he, he to sort of get into a little bit of his psyche um and how sort of this peaceful family under Angelo Bruno just completely flipped into this this chaotic mess under under Nicky Scarfo. Um and like you said, um just the damage it caused to his own family. Um as it's done to so many other families um of, of people in, in the mob. It's so unfortunate. It didn't shock me that the middle son, Scarfo Jr., went into that life because I think that there's a lot of nepotism in the mob and people will bring their family members into it because it's a security measure. You know, if you bring, you know, your your son or your uh, a relative in, then you know, like, you know their background, you know how they are. Um so that didn't surprise me, but it's it's unfortunate, you know, because, you know, Nicky Scarfo Jr., potentially he could have, you know, got into a legit business and he could have made a really good sort of success story of it. And unfortunately, he decided to follow in his father's footsteps and, well, you see how that's turned out. Not great. Amy. Would you like to see us out this week? I know it's been a bit of a long recording, so if you're flagging, I do apologise, but see us off. I'm all good. Um, I'm very excited for my pasta. Not an Italian stereotype, just a fact. <laughs> thank you for listening. Um, thank you for watching if you're joining us on YouTube. Um, we really appreciate you being here and we really hope that you enjoy what we do. Um. If you want to support us, feel free to head across to Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us um, over there. If you're watching this on YouTube, firstly. Hiya. Nice to see you. You can see us waving. That's good for you. Congratulations. (laughs) Um, But feel free to like, feel free to subscribe. And as mentioned earlier in the episode... Please do comment. Um, we want to hear your thoughts on these cases. We like talking about them and we want to talk about them. So please yes. do give us a little comment. 
Um, if you want to reach out to us, feel free to head over to the podcast Instagram, um, horrorhouse underscore pod. Say hello, reach out, give us a like, give us a follow, whatever else Instagram does these days. I'm sort of losing track. Um, <laughs> but please do feel free to do that. Um, if you want to support us financially, there is the Buy Me A Coffee link where you can send us a little tiny bit of money for a little bit of caffeine because clearly I need yeah. it. Um, <laughs> and there's also the merch store where you can pick up some merch for yourself. Some of which includes our old logo, which this week both myself and Dorm have had tattooed yes. our bodies permanently. I don't know if... So the very least... I'm not no, flipping off the camera. Um, no. But you can kind of... Ah. There it ah. is. See? Look at that there little logo. So cute. Mine's behind my ear, so you can't really see it, but it's right there. So feel free to pop over to the merch store and pick yourself up something there. Um, but in the meantime, stay beautiful, stay stunning, stay kind, stay funny, but most of all, stay spooky. Stay spooky, you sexy, sexy bastards. <laughs> I mean, i'm not I, I, sure we should be calling our listeners bastards but you do you boo you do you but it was it was in a loving way if you're still watching it this post-credit thing that we now do yeah. it was that was it that was in a loving way i was calling you bastards in a loving way You're, yeah you can get okay. with anything if you do it in a loving way yeah sorry i stabbed Me you with a butter knife you old cunt yeah exactly like, if you're going to yeah. kill 30 people, try and do it in a, in a loving way. In a loving way, yeah. <laughs> Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love. <laughs>